And welcome back, everyone, to yet another edition of Going for Two, presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel. I am your host, the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter, Matt Brown. I'm joined here this evening uh, by my, my friend and colleague, Brian Fisher. Uh, it's, I apologize for the the scheduling hiccups over the past two weeks. I've been traveling and then uh, I've been on the road, took some time off. Brian's been out and about and, and actually getting everybody in the same place has been a challenge. But Brian... It's good to be back, even if we're, is this is like a, a weird time and everything, because it's uh, it's been a while since we've had a chance to do this. I know it's it's good to good to see your face. I hope you're uh, rested and relaxed after a, a bit of vacation time. And I, I'm sure it's not uh, quite a, a hands off vacation time, uh, given the, the kiddos running around. Yeah. But uh, any time when you can at least unplug a little bit is, is always good to, to recharge those batteries. Yeah, that's that's what I needed. I mean, like vacations are wonderful. And I, I, I of course, wish I took an actual one. My children were on spring break. So but listen, there's something to be said for parenting on your home court. Um, and when you go on vacation and you know this, our listeners know this and you got little kids, you're, you are simply parenting uh, on an away game. You don't have those built in advantages. Sometimes you, you're, you're playing an away game where the crowd's not so bad and the locker room is, is warm and, and, and it's OK. Other times you need a vacation from the vacation. Um I, I am glad I got to take a step away for a little bit, especially because, you know, I, I came back earlier this week. I've been I've been writing a couple of newsletters. And then as we are kind of hoping to close up shop this evening, it seemed like all hell broke loose, um, particularly in, in the in the men's college basketball world. Um, another iconic head coach has decided to step away. I'm sure you've heard this by now if you're listening to the show, but uh, every show is somebody's first. So in case you missed it somehow, Jay Wright has decided to retire, not just from coaching the Villanova men's basketball team, uh, but from basketball, period. So not the NBA, not the the King of Prussia men's league YMCA team, nothing. Uh, allegedly planning to go into basketball and, um, and, and uh, excuse me, into broadcasting, a step away there. And then uh, not only did this happen kind of unexpectedly for the rest of us, but then Villanova goes off and plucks Fordham's head coach um, as, to, to come in as a replacement. Did you see this coming? I am clearly not as plugged into the college basketball world as you are, but I didn't. I figured that we had another year or two left of this at least. Yeah, I think this is uh, something that's been percolating uh, a little bit. Uh, I, I wouldn't have anticipated like just today this, this end up happening and then this announcement being made. And, and I think, you know, there was kind of two train two trains of thought, right, that uh, Jay Wright was certainly considering a, a lot of the changes in the landscape, obviously the pressures that come with a, a job like like the Villanova gig and, and the expectations there. Um, but but I think there was also kind of a, a second train of thought that uh, as great as those are and, and might be kind of, you know, uh, making it easier for somebody to retire, uh, there was also the thought like he, he just made the final four like maybe that's an energizing thing especially when you see um you know other coaches that that, that are kind of at the top of the game uh kind of going out and, and transitioning out um you know the, the competition therefore for those top tier nba caliber recruits that uh, they've been churning out there at villanova maybe not quite as 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 uh, tough as it might be to go out and recruit and maybe that that final four run could be a, a little energizing and and it turns out nope that was just kind of the cherry on top of things and it, it's wild to me to think that we just had a final four and half the coaches now have retired and and they're two of the biggest names in the sport and uh, it's just a seismic day i think for for not only seeing that news and, and seeing the surprise of that news but also what it kind of means for college basketball going forward on that note there is something kind of poetic about that particular final four where you have one coach who 
I, I recognize there's a little bit of Duke hater in me here, but like, let's be honest, uh, for Coach K to say in those last press conferences that this isn't about, this wasn't about him, it was about his play. That was horseshit, man. <laughs> like, you, you, you don't, you don't give yourself the Derek Jeter farewell tour and do everything here if it isn't at least a little bit about you. And that was a major storyline permeating throughout the entire season, definitely in that building. And then Jay Wright. Who has had, um, you know, as a, a Hall of Fame caliber career in his own right, equally as important to his institution, just says bye. Um, and and it, as understated as the other coach across the gymnasium was, maybe overstated. And um, maybe that's putting too fine a a, a a a a point on everything there. But like, given the kind of cultures that that both programs have built, it kind of seems how you would imagine it would go, right? Yeah, I, I think it was just uh, really Jay Wright, uh, you know, having not being able to wear the, the suits anymore. I thought that was maybe the, the reason why he had the ex early exit. But uh, yeah, the you quarter, know. he had to switch to the quarter zips. Quarter zips I, I saw you know? my buddy, my buddy uh, and, and former going for two guest Alex Kirshner uh, said that instead of like a banner that Villanova's got to hang up one of those suits in the rafters, <laughs> maybe maybe just like a big ass pocket square or something like that might be the the, the better way to kind of honor um what he, what he had accomplished. That's uh, yeah, maybe, you know, it's weird though. Like you think back to that final four and like, yeah, there, there was an obviously, uh, you know, a huge amount of focus on, on, on the coach K retirement storyline. But like the, the fact is this was one of Jay Wright's better coaching jobs to, to get that team to the final four. He really kind of willed yeah. them to, and you know, like the free throw shooting was, which was a trademark of this team. Like you, you understand that they were able to fall back on that in so many clutch situations. Like that was, you know, his imprint on the program and, and he's done so well and really a great case. I mean, he's been there obviously, you know, know 21 years and uh you know for a long time the narrative around him was won a lot of regular season games certainly made some some decent tournament runs you know had had that final four kind of early in his career and then it wasn't it was just like some disappointment in, in March and not getting over the hump. Then they have those two magical NCAA title runs. And that really did kind of change the narrative. I think uh, not only around his career, but I think, you know, really did elevate him back into, you know, in, in terms of the proper perspective of, of where he is in kind of the, the pantheon of uh, of major college basketball coaches. And uh, I, I think he'll certainly be missed in terms of the game. He, he's certainly a great spokesman uh, for the game of college basketball, um, you know, really gives thoughtful answers. You know, one of the more personal people that you, that you'll meet, you can understand why, uh, you know, a lot of parents and what, not would, would uh, send their, their kids to play for him. And, and obviously he knows basketball. And I think it's a, it's a real loss, certainly for a, a mad, uh, rabid college basketball fan base like Villanova to lose somebody of, of his stature. But uh, I think it, it's going to be, you know, really interesting to see, you know, what his impact is, is going to be going forward um, in terms of uh, stepping away at a, at a critical time for the Big East, um, you know, critical time for a lot of college uh, colleges out there. Really, I, I think college basketball is kind of hitting this inflection point. And this is just another thing on, on, the, on the haystack right now in terms of uh, things that college basketball itself is having to deal with. Yeah, the that is a an easy narrative i think to uh, to attach to this because you know one you're right uh jay wright was famously approachable and a lot of reporters grew to really like him and so it's uh, you're going to see more people i think maybe wax poetic about the end of this era than perhaps other statesmen in basketball but um also, a little bit of a throwback in, in, in a couple of different ways in how the roster is often constructed. Like Villanova sends teams to players to the NBA. It's been a great uh, uh, program over the last several years for developing guards 
And uh, I mean, we just uh, saw Jalen Brunson go off for the Mavericks uh, earlier in the playoffs, right? right? You know, and like it was funny because when that happened, everybody was like, "How could he have lasted until the second round?" And like those of us that were certainly watching college basketball were like, "Well, you know, there there might be a reason why the NBA folks that uh, think he he might be be a second round pick, but everybody knew that was one of those like true value adds, and and we saw it in the playoffs with the Mavs. But those type of players, he's turned out uh, quite a few others, and uh, I think that will ultimately be uh, a big cherry on, on top of his legacy is not only finding the, the right fit and, and coaching those guys up, but really developing players throughout their tenure there at, there at Nova. Yeah, the, 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 the fit and developing players from a dumb layman like me feels like part of what uh, has been instrumental to that program for the past couple of years. It's not one of the college basketball programs that has been as built on elite freshman five-star talent that's typically only there for a year a lot of villanova's players are there for at least two it's i i, I don't want to it's clearly not a roster full of uh, of try-hard accountants like you're still recruiting high four-star guys five-star guys but it's not built like kentucky the roster construction is not the same as, as duke not really the same uh as kansas this kansas team was a, a little bit different and then also one that has not been heavily reliant on transfers um, and uh, I, th- I think there was only one on, on the last Final Four roster. That's increasingly unusual in college basketball, both to actually keep the players you've recruited and not try to go out and, and grab new ones each cycle. And that's I on many levels. I don't want to say that it's, it is um, immoral, right? Or this shows that you're a bad have a bad culture if you're bringing in those kinds of players. But there's something to be said for being the kind of program where you evaluate the player correctly in the first time and they don't want to leave, which and and saying and, and I, on one hand, I can understand like, hey, look, man, I'm 60 years old. I want to spend time with my family. The sport's very different. I don't think that necessarily means that like college basketball is broken or whatever culture war thing you want to you want to hammer in here. But this is a guy that did things differently and a way that um, maybe was more common in like 2007. I don't know if that's going to be as common moving forward. And and I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it, it feels like a significant thing uh, in a way that I don't know if there's a, a real equivalent in college football or maybe some other sports. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the re-recruiting your own roster is certainly a, a much bigger part of the game right now. I mean, in college yeah. basketball as, as well as college football, I mean, it was there more to the the effect in, in, in basketball than it has been in football lately. I, I think, you know, you talk with coaches now, I mean, like they're almost kind of pulling their hairs out to understanding that uh, you not only have to recruit a kid uh, to get onto your campus for, for a couple of years at, coming out of high school, but you got to keep recruiting them every single day, you know, to, just to make sure that they are bought into the program. And, and I think, you know, for Jay Wright, uh, to his credit, not only got guys to buy into you know what he was preaching, um, but but also understanding the the culture of the program, the fabric of of, of the program, um, and and making sure that everybody had a piece of that and and uh, you know had a say in things. Um, you know, I think that was you know a, a true testament to how he built things uh, there in Philly, and uh, it it'll be a loss for the game. But um, I, I think it just as as interesting is kind of you know what, what what where does Villanova go from here, right? You know, I think uh, obviously they're they're bringing somebody in and in, in, uh, Kyle Neptune uh, you know, from Fordham, who who somebody who uh, knows that program well obviously you know kind of came up through the ranks under jay wright but i think for the for the most part uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what are expectations now uh you know with with that program not having that hall of famer uh roaming the sidelines in, in those pinstripe suits yeah i uh that, that's actually the last thing i wanted to talk about as, as someone that's not an enormous college basketball guy is to talk about kyle neptune here for a second so for for people that are that aren't aware uh one kyle's like our age he's like in his 
late mid late thirties. I think he's thirty seven. So he's like a little bit older, a little bit older than me. Uh, I think a little bit older than you, but like still young for a, a big time college basketball coach. Um, had a, had a, a brief playing career uh, over overseas. You might have heard his name uh, as a, he's only been a head coach for one season, yep. and that was at Fordham. Now Fordham, you know, plays in a very competitive mid-major basketball conference, the Atlantic Ten. It's in New York City, which I am told is a place that cares very deeply about college basketball. Um, and no disrespect to any of our Fordham friends who are listening to the show. I know we have a lot of people at that institution uh, who are extra points readers and everything. Uh, over the last ten years, that program has sucked. Uh, it's it's been it's been an enormously difficult job, and and some of that is just because of of kind of the hole that that the school was in. Some of that's resources. Some of that's you're playing a really competitive schedule. Um, to be able to have somebody come in and uh, somebody who understands New York. Uh, and somebody, you know, Neptune's from Brooklyn, somebody and has coached and been around that world for a long time and coaxed that roster to 500 and coaxed that team to being competitive, capital C competitive. And then also, you know, one of your players is from the Ukraine and is from Ukraine and watched his like gym explode. And we, we actually did a, um, uh, a collegiate sports connect interview with Ed Cole, the, the athletic director over there and talk about that. That is I think that one year speaks well to his his ability to build a culture, which is obviously very important for Villanova. But those are some big shoes to fill for a guy that's been a head coach for a year. Uh, and, you know, the, we've we guess we kind of seen this now with North Carolina, with Duke, maybe some other places that maybe you don't need to have been a head coach for 12 years. And I don't know, you took you, you know, UW Milwaukee to a sweet 16 or something to get one of these kinds of jobs. Maybe the skill set's different now. I, I hope I hope he's successful. Like it, it's cool to come back to a place where you've been for a long time. But also kind of sucks for Fordham. Like this random school catching some strays tonight that I'm sure was, was hoping they were going to have this guy around for a little bit longer. I start trying to rebuild everything. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's obviously, you don't kind of expect necessarily a coaching search at, at this time of the year, you know, a lot of focus on, on the NBA draft and, and who, who might be leaving, who's coming in on your roster and all that. Uh, you don't expect to be, uh, be thrown into the, the fire in terms of uh, having a coaching search. But um, look, I, I think it, it is, it is a tough blow for Fordham. And, and look, I think the, the turnaround that he had this season, um, you know, was, was notable. I mean, you're, you're, you're starting to hear about it from, from alums uh, of Fordham of which there are many in the media that especially in, and some of the broadcasting uh, folks as well. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's just, it, it's, it's, you know, in a major media market and as big as the St. Peter's run was in the postseason, I think, you know, during the year, especially early in the year, um, kind of before, you know, the, the tail end of, uh, the, the, uh, 2021, um, kind of wrapped up, it, you know, there was some, some real interest in terms of, uh, seeing them play, you know, seeing the, the, the early success that they had. And, um, you know, I think that is a good, good testament to what he was able to do on, on a short amount of time. Now, the question in my mind, much like it is with, uh, you know, with others that uh, end up replacing a legend is is you know how 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 big is that leash you know if, if you had one bad yeah. season i mean you look at what butler's had to go through the last couple of years you know and they've kind of gone through several coaches trying to get back to to what you know not only replace brad stevens and, and they've had some some highs and some successes but it hasn't been the consistency um you know that they've wanted and they had they had to make a change with a a famous alum of, 
of their program and uh, ended up uh, bringing back Thad Mata. So uh, it, it's going to be a, a unique transition, I think, for Villanova, not only in terms of the, the time of the year that this is happening and and, and losing a legend like this uh, kind of so abruptly. But, um, you know, I think it, it's going to be unique in terms of where the expectations are uh, going forward and, and how much that leash is there, because I, I can understand uh, John Shire uh, down there at Duke. Um, you know, the, the expectations there, especially in, in terms of the recruiting classes that he's bringing in, um, you know, there's still an expectation to do well and do well right away, especially knowing what what Hubert Davis did just uh, just across town. I don't think those expectations are going to be placed on, on somebody like uh, Kyle Neptune, but uh, I, I would imagine that uh, there's still a pretty high bar to clear uh, being in the Big East like they are and, and really being in a, in a basketball school like Villanova that can tell you the ins and outs and, you know, when your post is, is not cutting right, you know, the, the right way on, on the pick and roll and, and all those things. So I, I think it's going to be a very difficult job, but uh, somebody who you hope will, will be able to handle the pressure going forward. Un unquestionably, this is a program where there's a lot of pressure to not just perform at a high level, but look good. Look good because you have had a coach that uh, clearly cares a, a quite a bit about about how they look, but also you're trying to maintain a, a certain kind of identity. Another entity that really cares a lot, very deeply about both Villanova and looking good is, of course, our sponsors at Home Field Apparel. I give that one like a, a seven and a half out of 10, right? That, was, that wasn't too bad. Brought the energy, that's for sure. There you go. Homefield Apparel, of course, is our, our title sponsor. They make some of the most unique and comfortable officially licensed collegiate apparel you can find anywhere. What makes them so special, beyond the fact that the shirts, crewnecks, hoodies, and um, sweatpants are outrageously comfortable. I am wearing some Yukon doggers right now. Um, they are also routinely pulled from the most unique vintage historical logos that you might have forgotten about. Your, your school licensing department probably forgot about that you can then put on and then appear to be the most hip and cultured person at whatever party you are attending. Villanova, of course, a home field school. Fordham, not a home field school. I'm not saying that that's the reason all of this is happening, but I'm also not not saying that. Um, Villanova, of course, joined from uh, the last big new Saturday season, uh, joining other major basketball schools like UCLA, which was excellent. Cincinnati, which was excellent. Illinois, which was excellent. Many other ones that were that were very good uh, as well. And you can make sure that you can grab all of those or, you know, some extra point shirts. I have one right here. Um, you can grab any of those and save 15 percent off your first order by using promo code extra points. I will also add. Uh, that if you are listening to this and you're thinking, oh, yeah, I'm looking through all the home field here. And every time home field signs somebody, all the nerds on the Internet start getting super excited and they start you know, tweeting about it. It's, there's this huge brand thing. Air Force is the next addition to the home field family. There are pictures of, of Falcons with gigantic helmets. They look like they just walked off the set of the Jetsons. It's going to be awesome. But if you're sitting there thinking, why are we letting all these nerds talk about all these other schools? Why aren't they talking about my school? which is, in fact, the most important school. Uh, that's you. Shoot me an email, matt at extrapointsmb.com, and I will put you in touch with folks at Home Field, and they'll have their licensing people talk to your licensing people so your 1936 logo of adorable birds wearing gigantic helmets can get on T-shirts instead of just Air Force. Don't, don't let Air Force have all the fun. Um, I mean, you, I mean, you yeah. should let them have all the fun. I mean, yeah. I, I think we, we've talked offline about this. I think the state of Colorado, once this Air Force collection comes out, 
might have the best pound for pound yeah. collection in terms of home, home field shirts. You got the Colorado with all the buff designs. The CSU stuff is is fantastic. We, we've talked about the, the the Colorado School of Mines before. I mean, like pound for pound, I'm, I'm telling you, the, the the programs and the designs coming out of the state of Colorado on the home field collection alone, top notch. And this this Air Force thing will, will only be the cherry on top. The Colorado State Collection, I think, is the single best one on this website that I don't own anything for. Um, and the major reason for that right now is that I literally don't have enough space for all these T-shirts. <laughs> and, and and I think eventually do have to buy a couple of things with buttons. But some of the old or, you know, orange and green Aggies, uh, you know, iconography there the, the, or the, the Ram that's like really throwing their chest out. Truly outstanding. Um, to my friends at Homefield who are listening, one way you could rectify this would be to start making some Homefield like flannels, home field suits, home field polos, uh, something to establish the veneer of professionalism when I start going to some more of these events. Can't wear what I like to affectionately call the Indiana tuxedo, which is a home field t-shirt and home field pants. Uh, anyway, homefieldapparel.com, use promo code extra points to save 15% off your first order. That saves you money and gives us money so we could buy more stuff from home field. That's just how the economy works, circle. Um, I want to shift gears completely because I, I thought up of a relatively elegant transition to talk about shirts that I don't have a great way to get us out of this ditch to talk about the other the last thing completely different I want to talk to you uh, tonight. Many of you may not be aware that going for two and extra points are part of a uh, you know family of publications. You might have heard us talking about Collegiate Sports Connect and D1 Ticker all the time, and we'll, I'm sure we'll plug those at the end of the show. We're also part of a conglomerate that includes Athletic Director U, which does more evergreen, high-level thought leadership for people that work in the college athletics industry or people who are just more curious to know how this stuff works. Uh, one of the things that ADU publishes uh, is uh, a, a, a power ranking of sorts, uh, ranking the various athletic director jobs within conferences based on a series of specific criteria, and they're asking other people in the industry. It's not our colleagues' personal opinions about what jobs are best, but they're asking around to other people who have been ADs or people that, that, that work in the field uh, to break everything down. So if, you, if you're ever curious, like, well, what are the best jobs in the Horizon League? Like, brother, we got you covered. Um, and, and the one that came out very recently this week that I want to talk to you about is the one in my neck of the woods. Uh, the Big Ten. And, and part of the reason for that uh, being germane now is, of course, uh, Penn State is looking for an athletic director. And these are generally considered to be uh, some of the most attractive jobs in all of college football. Uh, and in part because you are they're all gigantic schools. They're gigantic brands. They pay gigantic amounts of money. Uh, and these schools are about to make a ton more money because through uh, their next television deal. So expectations may be high, but outside of the SEC, there are not really more resource institutions typically than most of these athletic departments. So uh, I, I have I have the, the, the rankings pulled up here. We're going to we're going to share the link in the show notes along with some of the links we've talked about here. But um, Brad, just as a guess, which Big Ten institution do you think uh, among industry peers uh, was ranked as the the best job? in the Big Ten Conference. Well, it's interesting you mentioned industry peers because I think this institution has thrown out quite a few of them uh, that have uh, kind of come through the wings and then come through Columbus for uh, Ohio State topping the list because uh, let's face it, not only is, is it a great job, but it's done a lot in terms of development of talent for uh, on the field, certainly from football and basketball and, and the various 
like what three three dozen sports that they have there uh, in, in in Ohio State, but they also uh, do turn out quite a few of uh, you know your assistant ads and whatnot that go on to become yeah. ads. So uh, not only the institution itself is, is is a great job, you you have a lot of connections there. I certainly Gene Smith has has really transformed that place and and elevated things even further. But I, it, it's a great gig uh, because you know a lot of people know that uh, you can you can have success there even if you're not the the quote unquote ad. Uh, it, it's that good of a job, and I think that uh, was reflected in our rankings a little surprising a little bit to see some of the things like quality of life uh, we, there's various categories that go into these rankings for, for those that uh, you know have not clicked on the link or whatnot you know there's facilities donor support that sort of thing a um, little surprised to see Columbus up there at, at number two in terms of quality of life not taking a shot at by any means uh, at, at your old stomping grounds but uh, you know there's a reason why I think Ohio State when you consider all the factors is is the easy number one choice in the Big Ten yeah I I oh, first of all, no offense taken uh, Columbus was a wonderful place to grow up. Lincoln County, uh, where I was born and raised, a wonderful place to grow up. There's a reason I don't live there, uh, right? So I'm, I'm not going to sit here and claim that, that that's the that's the. That's I've always enjoyed. I've always enjoyed visiting. I've always, yeah, you know, it's, it's a great. great place to visit. It's a great place you know, to be from. It's a great, it's a great place to visit. And, um, and it's really yeah. transformed the last couple of years too. I, I think the last five oh, yeah. to ten years, you know, it's definitely great. It does have more of that kind of like. It's a bigger city, but it's also kind of got a smaller town type of feel for, for a city that size. And, and obviously there's been a lot of investment, a lot of focus in terms of uh, the, you know businesses uh, you know in, the, in that industry. But it's an Ohio State town. That's for sure. It, yeah. No, I mean, when I was a kid, one of the nicknames for Columbus was was Cowtown. And, and, and even when like when I was an undergraduate there, I remember I used to work in downtown Columbus. I uh, my, my my first campus job when I transferred to OSU Columbus was I was doing document review for the Ohio, Ohio Attorney General. So like I'm way up on like the 16th floor, uh, reading just a, a, a bunch of, of, of mindless data and realizing, you know what, actually law school sounds like a terrible idea. I don't think I want to do this. But I, I always remember that when you look out there, you could you could see that far away because downtown's pretty close to Ohio State's campus. Yep. You can see the campus. You can see Moral Tower. You can see these big things. And then from the right, just at the top of the horizon, you could still see, you could see a farm. Because this is an ag, this is still an ag school. It's it's a seven hundred thousand plus population. Columbus is a big city, but you know Ohio State is still, uh, you know what it is. I, I you know, to, to before we we, we kind of dig fall down here too much. Like you're right, the the rankings are assess a bunch of different variables: facilities, donor support, football success, men's basketball success. You're absolutely right. Ohio State is is part of the reason that they're they're seen so highly. They are the top ranked job in here. You're right. This is uh, much like Nick Saban has operated a finishing school for wayward analysts to be uh, sent elsewhere within the college football ecosystem. Ohio State is a great place to be a administrator if you want to be an AD somewhere else or have a senior uh, office job in a conference or even work in the in, in the pros. This is one of the deeper kind of like coaching trees within here. You're right. Quality of life uh, was number two. They're ranked second in the Big Ten. Number one in almost everything else except for men's basketball success where they've been their seventh. They're, they're decidedly average, which is true. Um, Brian, do you remember the, the the Big Ten job that was ranked as number one for quality of life? Uh, it looks like that's Wisconsin. But I do, I do want be. to take a step back before we dive into yeah. Madison, which we, we, we definitely need to. But, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. You mentioned uh, Penn State earlier, like because that job is open and because I, I think Ohio State is the most attractive job in the Big Ten. 
knowing that Gene Smith is going to retire at some point, he is certainly approaching that age to where that is going to be a consideration for a lot of folks. I'm very curious to see the effect that uh, the potential for Ohio State to come open in the next couple of years is going to have on this Penn State job, because Penn State, as we're seeing in this 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 ranking, a number four overall uh, right behind Wisconsin. It, it's a very good gig. A lot of work there to be done in terms of Beaver Stadium. I, I know uh, James Franklin wants NIL ramped up a, a little bit more than than it currently is there in, in State College. But uh, Penn State, a very good gig. Some that you would think that would be in the mix for that job, maybe pulling out, maybe not uh, going after it as hard, knowing that Ohio State could come, could come open down the road. And I think that does kind of kind of cast a, a bit of a shadow over some of these other gigs, uh, knowing that there's going to be some more change and really a changing of the guard uh, for the rest of these Big Ten jobs. You know, that's that's an interesting point, yeah, which is entirely possible. The Penn State is ranked as the fourth best job uh, in the Big Ten behind Ohio State, Michigan and Wisconsin. Um, which I, I'm not going to quibble about that about that too much, but you're you're right. Like if you you probably have to be near the very top of the profession to really get uh, into one of those top four gigs. I think there's a little bit of a gap after Penn State, and if you think that Ohio State or Michigan or Alabama, quite frankly, or a handful of other ones could potentially become open in two or three years, maybe that changes how you approach Penn State. Um, Madison, uh, Wisconsin, the home of the the UW Badgers, is ranked as number one for quality of life. Um, I get it. And I get that not just because Madison is a truly wonderful place. If I didn't live in Chicago, there's, I think, really only two cities where I would consider moving. Madison is one of them. Um, it's 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 uh, and it's, but the nice thing there is like not only is it, you know, you can you can get a very nice house on, on that salary. You have access to outdoor recreation. You're still not that far from Chicago. You're not that far from the Great Lakes if you want to do any of those things. But also um, that is a place where their expectations are high. But they're not Ohio State high. I don't think the governor is necessarily going to get involved if you make the Capital One Bowl or something. Um, You don't have a football press corps of like 52 people and seven message boards and the same kind of like uh, maybe fishbowl pressure that you might have at some other places. So, like, I get it. Michigan is ranked number three for quality of life, um, which Ann Arbor is lovely. I, I don't that's I don't. that was that was if yeah. you know knowing the the demographic for for some of these surveys you know obviously yeah. they're, they're up and comers you know maybe they have a family you, you would think that you know Ann Arbor great schools great great place to live you know there's a reason like why people like Mike Trico you know kind of go back and, and make their their home in Ann Arbor you're, you're close to Detroit uh, you got a great airport uh, right down the road like you're, you're close enough but you're kind of far far enough away to where you can still have that college town feel and uh, you know look it, it's a great place to live I, I think really that is kind of reflective of across these these Big Ten rankings is, is there's there's a lot of good places to live. If you're going to be in the Midwest, obviously going to, to Columbus, being in Ann Arbor, uh, you know, East Lansing, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, there, there's some nice places to live. And, and I think that uh, just still the, the quality of life uh, rankings that that was the kind of the one line. You understand the football line where it's foot, it's Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, you understand that the kind of things that uh, are, are reflected in, in these rankings. But uh, the quality of life one, I think we both have a little bit of debate for it because because you're right. I, I think if you're uh, sitting there and, and reflecting on this, I was shocked to see Northwestern back there on number five or yeah, number five. on yeah, the quality number, of life. number five below those three. You know, I get it. Also below Minnesota at number four. Um, we'll pass on that. Minneapolis is, is fine, but I, 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 I don't know that. But this is this is I want I do want to spend five minutes on this because I have I think I've said this on the show before. I've said this to our colleagues. I've said this to other ADs. Um, in this ranking, Northwestern, I think, is ranked as the 10th most desirable job in the Big Ten. And um, 
I understand that the people who actually do this for a living have a different perspective than me, a guy who sits in his basement and occasionally goes to conferences and does not have these responsibilities. But for my money, not only do I not think Northwestern is like the 10th or I guess 11th best team, best job in the Big Ten. I think it's like the best AD job in the country. And let me or if not, they're very close. And, and I, I know I see the skeptical face. Allow me to explain myself. Can you win national championships in Maine revenue driving sports at Northwestern? No. Um, are you going to be able to recruit the same caliber of athlete that your conference peers will at these top six uh, of, uh, jobs within the Big Ten in most sports? No. But here's what you will have. Number one, um, almost all of your facilities, the major facilities are done. You, your, 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 the basketball arena has just been uh, remodeled. You don't have to worry about it for a little while. It's great. You yeah. have, yep, you arguably have the best football practice facility in the country. Um, it is a a palace right there on Lake Michigan. It is easily, I mean, it's nicer than what they have at Ohio State. In, I, in I don't think arguably. Like, I think it is. No, like, it I, is. They like, spend, the, certainly the, the curb appeal, money, yeah. and like, right? Like that's awesome. You are doing some remodeling right now on Ryan Field. To what extent? Actually, I mean, because like you're in a residential neighborhood, and these are weirdo busybodies in Evanston. But you're, 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 that, that's already it's a lot of that fundraising's done. It's going to be changed. You don't have to worry about it. You already have nicer facilities for some of these other Olympic sports. You also are just north of Chicago. My uh, my wife is actually from Evanston. She graduated from ETHS there. My my in laws are still there. I'm there all the time. Evanston is not Chicago. Anybody who tells you it's in Chicago should be hit with a map. But it is. As pretty much as close as you can get to Chicago without being in Chicago. The L still goes there. You can take the subway to Wrigley Field, but it's enough of an independent entity and a city in its own right that it's, I mean, it's a great place to live. If I could afford Evanston property taxes, I would probably be living in Evanston. More of you guys need to subscribe to Extra Points so I can afford to do that instead of living in the in the, the, the part of Chicago where I do. Um so you get to live in a, a beautiful community where you can have a, a, a very nice quality of life and still have easy access to everything in Chicago. Uh, you're right by the lake. A, a plus plus. Great league. Great institution. You're going to make a lot of money. And here's the best part. Nobody cares if you suck because the newspaper community in Chicago, to the great civic detriment of my home, has been nuked. Um, and to the point where, you know, the, the major, the two newspapers in the city do not have the same sports departments that they used to, the same investigative power. So you're, you're not going to go in there with, with 15 beat writers foil, trying to foil everything, which I know you can't do because that's a private school. But like you're, you're, you don't have that same attention. Chicago mostly doesn't care about you other than a, a couple of neighborhoods on the north side. Um, and all you really have to do is placate the Ryans. Uh, and placate like three sports writers and make maybe one other rich guy in Wilmette. And if you go six and six and you graduate players and you shake hands at the at the Lincoln County, the Lincoln Day dinner downstate every once in a while, um, you can be there forever because you're not being judged uh, like the same way that Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State are. And if you look at the people that had this gig they go into the Packers. They're the commissioner of the ACC. You get to sit there because you don't have to worry about the do, doing the 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 shaking hands and kissing babies uh, circuit. So you can be on any NCAA committee you want to. You get to be the thoughtful elder statesman because your school, compared to other Power Five peers, mostly runs itself. You don't have to play the same game that Ohio State does because nobody cares. <laughs> If you uh, if you literally make the NCAA tournament once in your entire freaking life. So 
you combine all of those things, I think that sounds pretty good to me. I'd rather go six and six in Northwestern and cash a $2 million check than go eight and four in Starkville, Mississippi, um, even if I might have better football players. But that's just me. Well, I, I agree pr- pretty much with, with all your points. I think there there is some argument uh, in terms of, you know, where do you think that maybe Stanford, UCLA, some of those type of games, yeah. just if you want to be on the West Coast, I think you can probably throw in uh, a gig like Duke um, as well. Um, just, you know, private institutions that, uh, you know, do have a whole lot of athletic success. And really for Northwestern, they're they're a bit unique. Not only are, are they close to Chicago, like you said, but having that one mega donor uh, like the Ryans are like that, that is such a help, you know, knowing you can go to just one person and then get a check. Somebody who likes to support the program, somebody who does not apply pressure, does not insert themselves necessarily in in the kind of decision making when it comes to maybe hiring a, a specific type of coach or hiring a specific type of assistant or anything like that. You know that 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 is big, and I, I think for Northwestern, I think it is one of the the best gigs in, in in the country. And you mentioned just look at where you know their their alumni have have gone. You know, right? I think that's the the one true testament of yeah. where are you moving on towards? You know, and and it is going from uh, you know that gig into this. You know, I mean, Jim Phillips for forever was talked about replacing Jim Delaney. Jim Delaney. Dude, I had that literally pre-written yes. before I went to the press conference. Cause I, I don't, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit this. This was very early in the extra points era. I didn't know who the hell Kevin Warren was. Nobody did. Um, and, and, and the, you know, we, we had people on the big 10 beat saying, yeah, it's, it's Jim Phillips. Cause that's what that seemed like. Um, I mean, as soon as it that game, as soon as, yeah. as soon as Jim announced that he was retiring, I think pretty much everybody had thought it was going to be Jim Phillips replacing him. And and I think had there been a do over, maybe that would have been the decision of the Big Ten presidents. I think they they, they were understanding in terms of maybe not promoting from within the league and, and wanting an outsider perspective. And, and certainly Kevin Warren uh, has had, had its ups and downs, uh, you know, throughout his tenure. He's going to make him a boatload of money uh, going forward. So uh, you can kind of judge him on, the, on that at the end of the day. But look, I, I think it, it is a great gig. It, it is a, a gig where certainly the pressures to win are just not like their peers. And, and I think that that's a good thing. It, it's a good environment there uh, for the Wildcats. And really, there might be more pressure nationally, uh, given the amount of sports writers that come out of that Medill Mafia uh, school there. I think that might be <sighs> that might be the thing that uh, is probably more pressure packed is just kind of dealing with some of the national media that uh, want, uh, want Northwestern to do a little bit better than they, they have been. But uh, sir, it, if you are a son or daughter of Medill, you, as a true, serious devotee of this craft, you have had any vestige of fandom beaten out of you. Otherwise, that would be uncouth to admit that you still have any kind of feelings towards an institution. Listen, uh, we got to stop talking about this because I said way too many nice things about Northwestern. It's giving me the hives. Because like, even if well, I we, could we can, we can move things, on, like, you know, speaking yeah. from one end of the spectrum to the other, I mean, I, I would have some disagreement, too, on in terms of the, not only the top of the rankings. OK, yeah, outside of Ohio let's State, do it. Let's do it. The bottom. All right. Listen, Maryland, I understand there are some negatives uh, you know, associated with Maryland. I know you've 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 even you've been lived close to campus, but I, yeah. I, I I see that almost as as a job to where you can really do a lot of elevation. I think they've come in. Obviously, in men's basketball, they've had a ton of success. One of the most recent uh, big teams to win the national title. Um, the obviously, most recent, even though they did it in the is. ACC and, yeah. and, and Gary Williams is, is a long and afterthought uh, there, even though he's, he's still part of the athletic department and, and uh, working for the school there. Like, I mean, they, they love 
their basketball there in Maryland. I think it's it's, it's they're doing a lot of work in terms of their their practice facilities like and and, and they got a, a you know Under Armour right down the road that really does support them that does want Maryland to do well. I think they obviously struggled in terms of making the transition transition over to the Big Ten. And as, as tough as that is, that they've they certainly started to elevate things. And and I think it, it's a gig where uh, there, there are a lot of positives. I'd rather you know be the Maryland AD than than say Illinois. You know I think Illinois has some a, a lot more challenges. Um, you know living in the DMV is is a lot nicer in, in my opinion than having to worry about going to Champaign and just travel costs associated with that. You know you're you're kind of a lot more remote. You really don't get the pull of Chicago like Northwestern does. Um, you know I think it's it's just it, it's funny to look at some of the 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 back half of the Big Ten rankings and, and know that these are all really really good gigs. But I think the 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 growth potential at Maryland in particular, also Rutgers, I would throw in there as well. Um, you know, I think that the, the high they they can elevate themselves another step, and uh, that, that's why I think that the gigs themselves a little bit better than these rankings are, are reflected. I will allow that Maryland may be underrated in this list. Maryland is ranked in, in this list as the second worst job in the Big Ten. Very quickly, let me just give you the I'll give you the full rankings. Then let's talk about Rutgers and we'll let these fine people go. The rankings in order. Again, all the details. You can see everything here in the show notes. It is Ohio State 1, Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan State, Iowa, Nebraska. It's always a little funny to see Nebraska under Iowa. Uh, uh, Nebraska actually tied with Minnesota. They're at 7. Uh, then Purdue, Indiana. I don't know if I'd say Purdue's a better gig than Indiana, but like I get it. Uh, Northwestern, Illinois, Maryland, and um, with a bullet, Rutgers uh, at 14. Uh, the, the the point differential there at the bottom uh, was pretty significant. Rutgers finished dead last in literally every category on this list except for men's basketball success where they finished 10th. Uh, it is a little bit funny to me that Maryland, the school that cares very deeply about men's basketball and has won championships before, is just ranked ninth. Um, given where Rutgers was in yeah. men's basketball here for a minute. I understand the growth potential in the Rutgers gig and that you are in an area where you are not very far from both New York City and both not very far from a place where there is an enormous concentration of high level athletic talent, not just for football, but for volleyball and for basketball and for a litany of other places. And you are in a a media market that would love to say nice things about you once you finally uh, are able to elevate a little bit. All those things I understand. I think part of what we're seeing reflected in here is not that Rutgers has necessarily made bad institutional decisions over the last two years, but when they came into this league, they were operating with such an enormous, enormous deficit. I mean that part of that meaning financially, because good God, like the, 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 the their books are a mess. Like I, I've said this all the time. One of most Power Five programs tell you. Well, you know, only 25 athletic departments actually make money. And our, our our athletic department, if we look at our FRS reports, we actually lost money. And I look at it and it's like Indiana and like Michigan State or something that said like, no, like that, you that is an accounting fiction. Like you could show a profit if you want to. Rutgers? Now, I believe that shit. <laughs> Rutgers, <laughs> Rutgers is, is, is deeply, deeply in the red. And a big part of that is because uh, when they joined this conference, and this is not me being a, an internet troll here. That they were, in most ways, an American athletic institution, like not just in name, but their football stadium, their facilities, their staffing budget, their recruiting operation, their entire infrastructure was not in the same stratosphere as Ohio State and Michigan. And you also have decades and decades of donor misalignment, 
state institutional neglect um, and and failure to to develop all of that infrastructure. So now, and you also are like just now getting the full Big Ten money, or or not quite about to get it. So you have to spend a lot to get to that point. I could see a world in eight years where we are doing this again, and instead of fourteenth, Rutgers is like seventh or eighth. But right now, I put him at fourteen, and I if there was a fifteen, I put him at fifteen. Like that's that's. Uh, in many ways, very, very, very difficult. Different challenges than Maryland, different challenges than Illinois, but very significant ones, in my view. Well, and I think it's it's very much colored by that transition and and the the difficulty into moving into the Big Ten. Um, obviously, you know they they had to do a lot of work. But the flip side of that is that it does seem like alignment is a lot better than than it ever has been at Rutgers for the last. I don't know, two decades, um, you know, certainly they've they've not had the football success on the field. But I think there is uh, in terms of getting the donors and moving in the right direction in terms of the athletic department, which let's face it, you know, I would imagine that a lot of people have been scarred by a lot of the recent scandals that have happened, you know, surrounding Rutgers. Also, and I think that's also, contributed also sure. to this ranking. So, yep. um, you know, I think that that has been a, a factor. Obviously, you talk about facilities. They've, they've done a lot of upgrades uh, throughout there. Uh, they, they've made progress on that front. It, they're still losing a ton of money. I think everybody understands that. But at the same time, they are getting some institutional support that frankly has not existed existed really at other, other stops you know and i think that that is a big thing if you're trying to elevate we mentioned elevating kind of to the middle of the pack of the big 10 having you know the, the school kind of behind you in terms of doing those things spending getting into those those deficit spending like that that is a big thing um if, if you not only want to play catch up but I, I think in terms of elevating this gig you can do a lot more uh with, with some of those resources that uh, you know they, they understand they have to invest into getting the product you know on the field uh to kind of get back up to where they want it to be and so um Sometimes you don't have that. Sometimes you don't have the president saying, uh, yeah, I want to make athletics a, a big thing at this university. That, that's that's different now, I think, at Rutgers. And so uh, I understand why they, they come in uh, dead last. I understand some of the negatives, but I think in terms of the growth uh, potential at Rutgers, I, 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 I can see it. But uh, I, I get uh, I would just have some some quickables with a lot of these these gigs. And look, they are kind of average ratings. So like when, when you're ranking 14 in, in a lot of categories, you can understand why uh, Rutgers has that big uh, gap between them and kind of the, the next tier of programs. But uh, really, you really can't go wrong, honestly, in, in a lot of these these uh, Big Ten gigs, which makes kind of the, the searches for, for these openings kind of really fascinating. We, we've seen, obviously, a lot of these gigs come open, but like you look at Wisconsin, went with an internal hire, former football player, same thing at Michigan State. Um, you know, Nebraska, obviously, they Trev Albert's a, a native son, you know, coming in. Uh, he, he did have a lot of AD experience there, uh, you know, working at Omaha. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's almost a very uh, unique setup for a lot of these Big Ten guys because they've been there for so long or at either as, as internal hires or they've been former football players, have, you know, alums, connections to the program. Uh, that doesn't kind of make it a, a unique mix amongst these ADs. And, and uh, curiously yeah. why uh, a lot of these AD gigs uh, really don't turn over all that often. You know, once once you get hold of one of them, you want to stick around for, for a couple decades. Yeah, I, 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 I will say this. And and and, and uh, I, I understand I had the reputation of somebody who has trolled Rutgers fans uh, on that program for a while. I don't take back many of the things I said in my last job, but I, I, I can understand even with all of this, um, this is still a quote unquote good job. We can sit here. Maybe that's another episode. There are a couple of D1 AD jobs, which I think are are bad gigs. They yeah. are jobs that if if someone called me up right now and offered that salary at that job, 
I'm not even like, haha, making a joke here. I would say no, like that raise is not worth it, given what I know what happens to people that, that have that job. Rutgers, you will probably lose more games than your programs will lose more games than they win. And you will unlikely to win a, a, major, a major championship. And uh, Penn State and Ohio State will probably put you in a garbage can in football. Still a good game. The proximity to fat sandwiches. Not one of the the uh, the criteria on this list that might have changed things a little bit. Um, it was very rude, I think, of our colleagues to not incorporate us in, into this particular search. Um, I uh, will we'll, we'll have those notes there uh, in, in the show notes. We have another show coming later this week, uh, God willing, and then returning back to a regular publishing schedule. You can find everything we're doing on Extra Points at www.extrapointsmb.com. You probably already know that, but just in case you don't, that is our newsletter that we publish five days a week. Uh, two of those are free. Three of them are behind a paywall. The paywall uh, helps support literally everything else that we do, digging into the ins and outs of college athletics. Uh, we are a part of the D1 Ticker family, which includes D1 Ticker, which is a completely free, twice a day, uh, clipping service for literally everything that happens in college athletics. I subscribe to a lot of newsletters. I love them all. I don't read every single one. Um, except mine, of course, uh, and D1 tickers, because like that is what I need to be informed to build the rest of my work. Brian has been hard at work beyond uh, not just helping with all those things behind the scenes, but also creating video content for Collegiate Sports Connect. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, talked with a couple of NACTA 80s of the year, speaking of uh, 80s that uh, we've been discussing, you know, a couple of them. I've already done uh, videos for Collegiate Sports Connect. You can find those uh, conversations there, uh, hopefully getting uh, quite a few of them across the, the spectrum there. And a lot of hot hot topic issues, you know, like NIL collectives is a big thing nowadays for fans to discuss whatnot. Uh, we've we've kind of gone in depth on the on a lot of those collectives themselves in terms of, you know, what what, what exactly are you? How are you operating in this market? We've, we've talked with uh, NIL marketplaces. We've talked with you know folks uh, surrounding marketing we've talked with job openings you know which is a big part of the service as well uh, for those that are, are looking to move up in the industry looking to move uh, to you know different places and and I think that for for the most part uh, we're, we're having a really a banner year uh, ramping up content and uh, it's really fun stuff to, to produce and uh, I think for for those of us inside the industry and those of those outside I think it's a little something for everybody as well so be sure to follow collegiate sports connect sign up for an account be sure to watch uh, watch Matt's uh, videos as well uh, we, we got a bunch of stuff coming the next couple of weeks, and uh, I'm sure it'll be uh, quite a quite a bit as we kind of ramp up into uh, that in, getting into that summer summer season where it's uh, it gets even more fun uh, in terms of being able to take a break, but also uh, dive into a really busy busy summer for anybody connected to the NCA. Yeah, this the, the 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 cycle here is strange because there's not as much hard news with the coaches and the programs themselves. The summer conference circuit is a is a pretty big deal in our world. Brian and I will both be at several of those. It also gives us a chance to, one, dig into the archives and look at all the weird, funny stuff that happened way back then, which is a major part of Extra Points, uh, and also try to, to do a little bit more Capital J journalism. Like I can tell you, I'm working on a couple of, of, of newsletters that have involved some, some deeper reporting, hopefully a couple of scoops coming in soon about realignment, about NIL collectives, about sports law, uh, some other stuff. So please stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, we, we will be back online later this week.